This is Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder? Hey, welcome to Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder? I'm Molly Stillman, and this is a podcast where I get to sit down with a different guest each week and have raw, funny, often brutally honest conversations about the things that matter most, faith, business, life, and everything in between, where we learn how to be good stewards of the things that we've been entrusted with, even our stories, and how we can use those things to serve others and leave our families, our friendships, and our communities a little better than we found them. I want to create a space where people are unafraid to be themselves and unafraid to ask the questions the rest of us are thinking. My goal is to make you laugh, cry, and laugh till you cry. My guests this week are Amy Daughters and Dana Rivera. Amy is a native Houstonian and graduate of Texas Tech University and has been a freelance writer for the past decade, mostly covering college football, but sometimes talking about her feelings. Her debut novel, You Cannot Mess This Up, a true story that never happened, was selected for the silver winner for humor in the 2019 Forward Indies and overall winner for humor and comedy in the 2020 Next Generation Indie Awards. Dana Rivera is the mother of five, grandmother of six, almost seven, wife of one, and teacher of many. She's a PE teacher, which is so fun. She was born and raised in South Louisiana and desires nothing more than spending time with friends and family. She's a reluctant runner and lives in Lafayette, Louisiana with her husband, Jim and dog, Nabby. She's currently writing her first book called This Is Not What I Expected. Now, you might be wondering, why would I have these two people on? They seem unrelated. Well, Amy is the author of Dear Dana. That time I went crazy and wrote all 580 of my Facebook friends a handwritten letter. And the Dana in the title is, yes, you guessed it, Dana Rivera. It all started a few years ago when Amy didn't know how to reach out to her old friend Dana from camp after hearing that Dana's son had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. She wasn't so sure that a simple I'm so sorry on a Facebook post was the best thing to do. So instead, she wrote a letter to Dana, someone she hadn't seen in decades. And even though she didn't initially get a response long after the casseroles stopped coming to Dana's house, Amy's letters never did. This story is such a unique, crazy, amazing, incredible story of two friends who their friendship was rekindled after decades just because of a handwritten letter and how it has started a wave and a movement of connecting and seeing people in such a unique way. It's about being an empathetic griever. It's about being a good friend in a world that is seemingly so connected online, but how do we do those things in person and, and in real life and through the magic of a handwritten letter. You are going to be so encouraged by this episode and by this interview. I'm telling you, I loved Amy and Dana. I can tell that their friendship is just so sweet and a gift to so many people. And you're really going to be inspired by this conversation. But hey, before we get to my conversation with Amy and Dana, I want to just share something really quick. I am currently in the process of booking speaking for this summer and this fall. So if you would love for me to come speak to your church, your women's ministry, your nonprofit organization, your corporate group, or something like that, I would love, love, love to come and be with you in person. So if you are in the market for somebody who I think is pretty funny, I, I think I'm pretty funny, <laughs> but also, uh, you know, just you want somebody to come and to speak to your group. I can do Bible teaching. I can do testimony. I can do everything from, you know, hosting and emceeing. I would love to come and see you. So shoot me an email, hello at stillbeingmolly.com, and we can get connected and hopefully I'll get to see you in person in 2023. Without further ado, on to my conversation with Amy and Dana. 
I can already tell that today's episode is going to be real fun uh, because I have with me two friends, uh, one of whom is a PE teacher I learned. And she's like, I mean, and, and my kids are in elementary school and it is, I think, like historically accurate to say that the PE teacher is kind of like the school celebrity almost always. I think it's just like, doesn't matter what school you're at, but the PE teacher is pretty much everybody's favorite. So it's going to be amazing. I love it. So uh, welcome to the show, Amy Daughters and Dana Rivera. How are you guys doing today? We're great. I'm great. I'm good too. I'm great. I'm so pumped about this. Um, I want to dive right in because I have so many questions. Um, so I'm going to kick it off first to Dana. So Dana, will you give us the Dana 101? So tell us who you are, what you do, and how you got to where you are today. All right. I'm Dana Rivera. I am mother of five, wife of one, teacher of many. That's my MO. Um, I have been teaching... I guess this is my 32nd year. I'm actually retired from a public school. I taught reading for many, 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 many years and decided a few years ago to go ahead and retire from that and to take on the PE life. So I teach PE from uh, to third through eighth graders at a little uh, private school in outside of Lafayette, Louisiana, which is where I live. I'm in a little town called Scott, Louisiana. So uh, that's me. That's what I do. I have six grandchildren. Number seven's on the way. And uh, between work and the one husband, uh, the kids and the grands, I stay fairly busy. I, okay. Just the fact that you are a grandmother who is a PE teacher (laughs) makes you just like, some other additional level of cool that I didn't even know existed. Like you're on your own playing field of cool. Oh yeah. <laughs> and let me tell you, I've only been a teacher this go round. I did it many years ago and earlier in my career before uh, I found reading and uh, that, that was my main career and decided to go back to my little PE roots. And I'm telling you, it's fun. Uh, there's a lot of uh, judgment. You're safe. You're out. Let's be a good sport. You know, a lot of that goes on. Yeah. But it really is. A, it's a dream job. It really is. And I, uh, I love it. Yeah. And I'm a grandmother and the kids don't believe it. You know, the the little ones think I'm 30 and we just stick with that. No need to. Yeah. You know, no, mess that it. up. I love it. I love it. I'm a big fan. Uh, fantastic. OK, Amy, uh, give us the Amy 101. All right. I'm Amy Daughters, and I am a mother of two, also a wife of one. So different, different husband. So, you know. <laughs> I really am waiting for the day that I have somebody who's like, I'm a mother of seven and a wife of four. And I would just be like, yeah, right, right. We Let have, this is going to be a different friend. episode that I thought. So, anyway. yeah. no, I'm, but I'm a friend. Freelance writer, uh, sports journalist, and an author, and uh, that's I live outside of Houston, Texas, in Tomball. I'm a native Houstonian who's lived several different places, uh, the Midwest. I live. We lived overseas for three years. That's basically basically me. I mostly write about college football, and I sometimes write about my feelings. <laughs> 
I mean, those are two very similar categories as somebody who is just a sports fan in general is most of the sports, like a lot of feelings come out when I watch sports. So I think that that's a natural. Um, And funny enough that I prior to like a month ago would not have known where Tomball, Texas is, but I was just in Houston speaking at a, a church in Spring, Texas. And so I drove. Yeah. So I drove. I was speaking at Faith Bridge Church, which is right, like right there, I think. I I think. I don't know. Yeah. I know exactly where it is. Yeah. Like six minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So I was there uh, in January. And um, I have only been to Houston twice. And I already really, really love Houston just on based on the two visits that I've had, Um, mainly for your food. You have really great food that I I dream about, um, particularly the fajitas from Lupe Tortilla. Like, oh, oh Lupe! I've taken Dana there. I'm telling so you, love Lupe Tortilla. I'm telling yeah. you, I did not know it was possible for fajitas to change my life, but I, they, my life has been forever impacted by the lime marinated steak from Lupe Tortilla. <laughs> Absolutely. That is the best fajita beef I've ever had. It's unreal. I did not know that it was possible for beef to melt in your mouth, but it does. (laughs) Right. And talk about feelings. You know, (sighs) I cry every time it ends. I know. (laughs) I know. Oh, my gosh. And then, okay, this is the last thing. Then we'll move on from food. But then, um, so my husband actually has some friends there in Houston. I was traveling alone. And so my friend's husband or my my husband's friend and his wife were like, oh, you're coming into town. You, you're landing around dinner time. You know, we'll take you out to dinner. We'd love to see you. And I was like, great. Awesome. Cool. You know, and I'm renting a car. Like, I don't know where I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, they're like, hey, put in this address when you land. Come, you'll meet us at this restaurant. And I'm thinking like, cool, we're going to grab burgers or whatever. Anyway, it was Perry's Steakhouse which is oh like gosh, that's nice very yeah. fancy and oh super fancy super fancy and so i was yeah. i just felt like i was royalty being taken to this very fancy steakhouse i mean and that was also like next level unreal like because it's like right. the you know the very fancy steakhouse where you get the the steak on the skillet and then you get the family style sides and the potatoes au gratin right. Okay, now I'm real hungry. And so we're going to move on. But um, well, I'm <laughs> so pumped about this. Um, So let's dive into this story. Because based on your 101s, somebody might say, how do these two people connect, relate to one another? Why would you be on a podcast just based off of your like, you know, like, cool, you have interesting lives. But there's a connection between you two. And there's a new book that I'm, I'm holding up for those that see the video or, um, but if you're listening, it's called Dear Dana. That time I went crazy and wrote all 580 of my Facebook friends, a handwritten letter by Amy Daughters. So let's dive into this story because I, when I first came across this book and I came across your story and your friendship, I knew right away that this was obviously that I was like, we're going to have y'all on the show. Um, so tell us about it. Um, Amy, why don't you start of, of the story behind this book and, and how you guys reconnected? Well, I, Molly, I was like, you know, everyone else I'm on Facebook and 30 years ago, I worked at a summer camp in Trinity, Texas, probably 35 years ago now. 
And I met Dana Duga, now Rivera, uh, 35 years ago at Camp Olympia in Trinity, Texas. We were counselors together for probably six weeks was it. And uh, we both have huge personalities. I don't really remember a lot of details from that, but we lost track. We did life separately for 35 years after that. And every once in a while, I don't think Dana thought of me, but I thought of her and thought, you know, whatever happened to my friend Dana? And then like a lot of us do, voila, I go on Facebook, I look it up, there's Dana. You know, she's back with different hair. You know, oh. and, uh, and she, we reconnect on Facebook. I immediately find out that she has five children four daughters and her youngest child is a son who is at St. Jude, you know, battling cancer. She asks for prayers. I like to pray. I immediately, without saying anything to Dana, started to pray. Um, she gave updates. Uh, and then when Parker relapsed um, in 2014, I just, you know, again, praying, I just suddenly became inspired like a jolt of lightning from above. I was like, you know what? I'll just start writing them letters. And that next day she was like, you know, we we enjoy snail mail sometimes at the Ronald McDonald house. Here's our address. Cause I was like, where am I even going to write these people? And you know what? I started writing her and Parker together. And that's how this whole story of reconnection kicked off between Dana and I. Okay. So I, yeah. I, I love this because I think there's so many people that can relate to, Hey, we had this, that friend 30 years ago, or that, that friend, you know, that I came across or, you know, you come across a picture, you're like, Hey, this person was in my life for a period of time. And then you, you know, life happens and you go about your, you know, moves and changes and marriage and schooling and all that kind of stuff. And, but the beauty of Facebook is you're right that you, you get the chance to reconnect. Um, but in some ways we've lost almost that intimacy of friendship because of Facebook, because we just think like, Oh, I have 580 or I have a thousand friends, but do you really know those people? Do you really communicate with those people? And do you really regularly uh, touch base with those and check in with those people? And so you took it a step forward. And so you started writing her letters and Dana, can you talk about what happened when you started to get, these letters from this friend that you'd known for six weeks, 35 years ago. The first time that we got the letter, we were living at the Ronald McDonald house. Parker was in treatment. And, um, I was like a little shocked, I guess, because Amy and I had just recently in the summer become Facebook friends. And, uh, so I was shocked and it was the nicest card and I'm that she was praying for us she had a team praying for us and you know Parker was like who is that uh I've never heard of this lady you know and I'm like oh it's just a friend from you know camp you know when dad and I were camp counselors and he's like well that's really neat the next week we got another letter another card and I was like he's like she wrote us again (laughs) I said yeah look at that so um I think Literally, I was just, you know, shocked. Like, who does that? You know, a Facebook friend, someone you haven't seen. And at this point, I think it was 35 years, uh, basically, or close to uh, someone you haven't seen. And, you know, they go that extra mile to do something like really kind, you know, really nice, really thoughtful. So um, it was surprising. So talk about what kind of came out of this because obviously I mean there's now a book obviously out of this but something (laughs) something happened it started for you as oh I'm gonna 
right, you know, I'm, I'm going to pray for her. And, and I think too, I mean, this is, I, I mean, I, maybe even a whole separate conversation is just when somebody's grieving and really struggling with something really hard, especially if it's, you know, a family member or a, a child or a spouse or a parent who has a terminal diagnosis or is struggling with something really difficult in our day and age and in our culture, people often don't know how to handle and navigate someone else's grief. And we often make it more awkward than I think it needs to be. Um, because the reality is, is grief is a part of life. And grief is something that we're all going to experience. We're all going to experience hard times and loss. You know, if we live long enough, like tragedy is going to strike us. And so you kind of went that extra mile from just saying, oh, I'm thoughts and prayers, sending love and light to actually doing something. And and something really came out of that. And so either one of you feel free to, to take this as what kind of became out of this initial sort of rekindling of a friendship in a unique way. Well, I'll just say what came out of it, our husbands wish they could put back. <laughs> I'll tell you that real quick. Our husbands, what has come out of it, our, our husbands are, literally wish they could put that back in the mailbox. But go ahead, Amy, I'll let you take, tell her, you know, more seriously what's come out of it. Well, you know, I wrote Dana and Parker for, you know, several weeks. I don't know the exact count on that, but then um, Parker passed away. He was only 15, you know, years old. And so not that any of this had anything to do with me at all, nor does it still, you know, and, and all this was inspired by God on my part. That's the way I interpret the story. So it's not like I chose to go the extra mile or made some deliberate decision. This all just kind of happened to me. I was just literally minding my own business. And so I prayed about tomorrow. I was like, what am I supposed to do? And I was like, well, I'm just going to keep praying. And I'm going to keep writing the letters. So I basically didn't even know what city in Louisiana she lived in. Like literally I went and looked it up and I was like, well, I will stalk her husband because he apparently is employed as a you know an attorney. And so I I found him and I started sending letters there after Parker passed away. And I knew the whole time, Molly, that I was like it was complete like over the top and like you know super like what are you really doing? Like I told myself that the whole time. I'm just a regular person, you know. But I just said I kept saying I'm just praying for y'all. And then I started writing about my life, you know, like I literally like started filling pages. And four months, about four or five months into writing Dana every week, because um, I have a writing schedule and I just put her on the schedule. And uh, miraculously, I go out to the mailbox on my, and I lived in Ohio at the time on my 48th, 47th birthday. And there's a letter from Dana Rivera. And it literally was one of the greatest moments of my life. And it marked a turning point because that was the moment Dana and I became pen pals. And we spent two years exclusively uh, in the mail. We did not have phone numbers. We didn't have not email addresses. And we shared so freely because, you know, there's this free space created in writing, which I didn't intend on doing. I hadn't written a letter in 20 years when I wrote, like, wrote Dana. But we shared, we knew nothing about each other. We ended up trusting each other in a way that makes no sense. But, we, you know, I didn't know what she was reading, what I said. I didn't know when she didn't know when I read her stuff. I knew I knew nothing about grief. So I didn't, for the most part, I just, said, I'm praying for you. 
That's all I said. And then like, blah, blah, blah. We still talk about it. Blah, 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 blah. Here's my whole life story. You know, and then after about six months into us pen palling this exchange, I was like, I sat back and I was like, you know, my, I mean, my heart changed, my, my whole perspective on life changed. And Dana shared a lot about little things and big things. And it just, I was like, if God can change my life with this one random girl from Louisiana, what happens if I write all these people letters? So I shoved everyone's name in a box. I started writing letters, never intending to finish, but it gained momentum. And Dana and I were still pen pals through the whole thing. And about halfway through, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the amazing story of my life. You know, and I wrote everyone and it blew up my life. And Dana and I became, you know, BFFs and it's a book. So that's the story. I love that so much because I think that, I mean, well, one, I mean, yeah, you're right. There's, there's a, a freedom when in writing and I mean, you in and of itself, like you're a writer. So that kind of, I feel like came naturally, Dana, what eventually or what led you to finally reply now and and real quick, like kind of point of clarification. So all this time, Amy, that you had been writing Dana, you had not received a reply, had you? Well, she did reply to me via Facebook message. Okay. Um, And my friends, my friends called that the cease and desist message because she was basically like, oh, my God, I can't believe somebody... So it, that, that's in the book. That message is beautiful. I, you know, somebody so random would, you know, reach out to us this way, but it also said, here's our home address. FYI, you don't have to send the letters to Jim Paul. <laughs> My friends thought that was hilarious because they're like, what she's saying is you're good, but don't send the letters to my husband's office anymore. So we're fine. So I did, I did hear back from her. And then about two months after that is when I got her first letter. Probably. And that's a that's a guesstimate, Dana. Okay. Yeah, I think we had been uh you had been you started in December of 14. My first letter that I wrote to you was at the end of April of 15. Right. So um and the reason that I finally wrote her back was because the only other communication besides her letters were uh was that one message giving her our address. And telling her, wow, can't, you know, this is so nice. But that was about it. And so my daughter, one of my daughters had a daughter in college at that time and a daughter that was in law school. And they were both living about an hour away at school. But during this time, they were kind of commuting um, just because they, you know, after going through what we were going through, um, being so absolute fresh. And uh, we just felt better greeting together. And so, you know, uh, one of my daughters, as I went one day to get the mail and there was, you know, that weekly letter, she said, Mom, like, when do you, like, how long do you think she's going to do this? And I said, you know, I don't know, but I hope she doesn't stop. And it was that exact you know, that exact conversation with my daughter that made me realize not like how much I looked forward to getting the letters every week, but also at this point, my family, the two girls home from college, I had a daughter in high school that lived at home, obviously. And then my husband, they they all were like, did it come? Did you get this week's letter? How, how are things going? So it was at that time that I said, let me write this this girl back 
And so that first letter was number one to thank her, to tell her what it, you know, what a difference she was making. And then, you know, just to chit chat and uh, talk about what was going on, you know, in my, in my daily life, you know? I love that. So what, what was the thing that began this outpouring of just sharing really personal things? And what do you think was the catalyst in that? And, and, and was it conscious and intentional that you guys were not exchanging phone numbers and that you were like, we're just gonna, we're gonna do this for like two years via letters, like we are, you know, at war. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm just curious. You know, like, I don't think, yeah, I don't think that was, that was not intentional at all. It was the nature of this relationship was through letter writing. That is how it started. And that is just the way that we were doing it. I don't know. I certainly had no intention of reconnecting with her beyond letters. I didn't know how long that was going to last. But it the outpouring of sharing for me it was a safe space. And I say that we are very fortunate to live in a community that if I could only describe it in one word, uh, and Amy can attest to it because she's been a part of it, is love. Before tragedy ever um, struck, our family has been well loved and we have loved people well. That's just kind of how we do things here in Lafayette. And, you know, um, we're each other's cheerleaders, you know. So when, you know, our worst moment came to life and and, and we went through absolute, you know, um, you can't even, uh, there's just no words like our world stopped. At some point, you know, we were trying to pick up the pieces and what you do or what we did, I can't say what you do. What we did is we picked them up for each other. I got up because I wanted my husband to get up. He got up because he wanted me to get up. Our children got up because they wanted us to get up. We got up because we wanted our children to get up. And that's kind of how we were living through this time that these letters were coming every single week. And so with my family and obviously with our our you know tribe of people that surrounded us who were all trying to do whatever they could just to be there for us and to get through it with us there comes a point where you don't want to bring down the room and I, what i mean by that is that if my kids are having a good day i don't want to be the one sharing this i'm sucking you know this is horrid I can't do this, you know? So you do all that with each other. Those You certainly share your grief because you're living it together, but you, you don't want those honest, horrible moments are hard to, you just don't want to put it on other people who already have so much on them anyway. And so Amy provided a safe space for me that I could say, this sucks. I can't believe this. What in the world is going on? Like, you know, how, how, 
how is this the reality? And so the outpouring of, of sharing came because, and I would tell her, I hope I'm not depressing you, you know, but it was a safe space. And because she wasn't living, eating and breathing it every single day, I felt like I could be honest with her in a way that I wasn't honest with really anybody else. From my end, I mean, her sharing always obviously humbled me. And I, you know, still I read back to the book, I read back to her letters. And I, especially now that I know her better now, it, I mean, that's, it's incredibly humbling. And it has to be God, because I literally am just this regular person on the other side of a mailbox. I know for me is, is I, when I, I started sharing my day-to-day life, it became an outlet for me. And I was in a much different you know, place in my life than Dana was and is, but I, you know, now it seems like, you know, I shared everything with her because I was trying to fill these pages of these letters. And then I realized that in sharing these things with her, I would, and I still put my life in order when I tell Dana, I just can't believe how much I trusted Dana without knowing her. And then this relationship blossoms after that. It's, it, and again, I mean, I interpret it as being God, but it's just so God was being so intentional and I was just running around, you know, trying not to screw up my kids, you know? So that was about, that's about it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, I'm curious your, you know, how this, you know, h- how you began to really dig or, or resurface this kind of lost art of letter writing and what it taught the both of you. Um, and especially too, I would love to hear Amy, when you began the, uh, very, uh, I would say lofty quest to write all of your Facebook (laughs) friends. I mean, I also have logistical questions. Like how did you get all these people's addresses? But, uh, just in general is when you began that journey of writing each person and you're rediscovering that lost art of letter writing. I mean, I think about, you know, I kind of made the joke about like you were at war, but I mean, really like think about, you know, our grandparents' generation, even my mom's generation, like my mom was served in Vietnam. And so how did she communicate with her family back home? Letters. And so I have all of my mom's letters that she wrote back and forth to her friends and family, you know, you know, during the war. And so it's this kind of lost art that we just don't do as much anymore. And so, you know, what were the things that you were discovering? What was happening when you started to write these people? Because I'm sure there are people that you were friends with on Facebook that maybe you'd hung out with like once. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Um, there, so there were, yeah. What happened? There were all those, all those categories that you can think of, of people, because it's so relatable because we all have a Facebook friends list. What I did not understand, and I think it's important to, to note that the letters to the Facebook people would have never happened without Dana and Parker, because that, that left me inspired to do something more. And I believe that every letter that left my mail, my outgoing mail is a credit back to my connection to Dana and, you know, to Parker. And to, but, you know, it, it, I had no idea that a letter was going to mean what a letter would mean, because I think what I didn't understand is, you know, social media is a great jump off point for relationships. I don't think social media is a terrible thing. I think it's a useful tool. But when you send someone a handwritten letter and they understand, I told every single person who got a letter, look, I'm writing everyone. 
So it was very clear, you know, but people were like, oh my God, you chose me. I was chosen. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I chose everybody. But they felt so special because they knew that I, you know, and then I had to go look at their, their profile and figure out what I was going to say. And it turned into this over and over again. It was this, for the most part, this exercise in gratefulness because it was like, oh my God, remember in seventh grade, we were both dorks and you had a clarinet and I had a flute. Well, you were my friend. Or do you remember when you showed up for me in high school or in college? So there was all that, but I had no idea. It blew people's minds when they got these letters and the way they shared back with me, you know, some of that left me feeling guilty, which was a very unexpected response to the whole project because I couldn't keep up with all these people. But by and large, people were just blown away because writing a letter is so deliberate and they knew you had to put a stamp on it. They, and it was just like over and over again, people were shocked and so excited by receiving a letter. How do you see this as something that people can take away something from? And Maybe this is something that you hope and and pray that other people would do is not necessarily do the undertaking of writing all of their Facebook friends, but rekindling that lost art of letter writing and what it means to really see people and connect with people in a personal way. Um, I don't know if you want to take that, Dana. Well, I'm I'm just I'm sitting here thinking about. Um, for one thing, this is uh, my perspective is not necessarily, uh, you know, definitely different than Amy's. But earlier you mentioned, you know, uh, we don't know what to do when someone's grieving. We don't know how to respond. And I think what Amy did is her instinct, her gut, God told her, do this. And she listened. And so I think if you're nudged, if you feel that nudge to call someone, connect with someone, do it, do it. And maybe you do that. Maybe, you know, you feel like you need to reach out to somebody, but a phone call is a little, maybe you don't want to get that personal, write them a note, stick a note in the mail. And I think, you know, so much of what, Amy did is she just, she listened, you know, God was telling her to do this and she did it. And man, what a difference, not just for me and my family, but those people, those 580 people, their lives, their worlds were changed because, because of it. And she knows this because of their responses. She, I, there's a percentage that she has, I can't recall what it is, but an overwhelming percentage of people responded back. That's what receiving the letters did for them. What's that percentage, Amy, of not people that responded? Yeah, the card. The infographic. <laughs> 74% of the people responded in some way. Think okay. of that. Think of 74% That's amazing. of people yeah, you know it, it, that's what it meant, man. Well, and it's just it's just, it's and I, and that's why you know if I would encourage people to do something, I agree. Writing five hundred eighty letters is ridiculous. No, I mean and I mean that in, in in all the right ways. But I think I would encourage people to get three of the smallest cards they can get at Target. Like go small, get a little box of note cards, and write three letters and see what happens. 
notes. Don't write letters, write seven sentences, you know, and put them in the mail and just see what happens and don't expect a response or don't expect anything and just see what happens. Not necessarily to the person who gets it, but see, see what happens to you. And you'll kind of know, I think we all know who we write if we absolutely had to or write, send a Facebook message or text somebody. It's, I think the handwritten letter thing is super special and it's like next level. But I, I think that, you know, we've seen that in, in the journey of the book. You know, we went on our book tour this summer. We gave out hand cards, little cards to people that say greetings, friend on the front, because that's what we say to each other in our letters. And uh, we were like, just go write somebody a letter. And and it's just so gratifying to think of all those letters that have gone out on behalf of the story. And it's ma- it's magical what can happen when you communicate with someone or just follow that nudge, like Dana said, you know. Well, that was going to be my next question is because so much of this has rekindled friendships and obviously you know you the two of you rekindled a friendship that you know was lost after 35 years and you know I I guess I've been kind of thinking about this selfishly uh recently because this year is my 20 year high school reunion and I was thinking about I know I know I know I'm a baby but also 20 years like high school reunion like sounds like really long but it's not but it feels like it was yesterday and which makes me also sound old when you're like it feels like yesterday that i was in (laughs) high school um but but yeah this year's my you know my 20 year high school reunion and um i haven't decided if i'm gonna go or not because i'm like i don't want to drive that's so far because i don't live near where i grew up and but i it has made me somewhat I guess nostalgic is the word, but I've I've thought a lot about some of those people who I lived a lot of life with who I have zero contact. You know, it's like we 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 did some things together. Like we we got into trouble together, we cried together, we you know, held each other during stupid breakups, we fought over dumb stuff. Like I think about like I had this group of girlfriends my senior year of high school and I was I still talk to one of them and um we don't see each other really ever because we don't live close, but we 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 communicate kind of through social media or we have a FaceTime call you know, once in a blue moon. And we were talking about how the spring break of our senior year of high school, the five of us went on this, this spring break trip and we left the spring break trip and there was a, 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 a fight and there was a, the group got divided and, you know, we kind of like three went one way and two went another way. And like, that was pretty much the end, like of the five of us. And I was saying to this one friend that I still talk to, I was like, what happened? Like, what What did we fight about? Like, I literally don't even remember what caused this massive friendship ending fight on a spring break trip our senior year of high school. And I kind of it made me. But then I was like, but we never we basically never spoke again. And so it's like a weird do I reach out to these people who I was like best friends with and be like, Hey, I know we got in a fight about something 20 years ago. Don't know what it was. You wouldn't talk to me ever again. Can we be friends again? Like I, I realize it sounds ridiculous, but I, I also realize that there's probably other people that are like, yeah, I, I can definitely think of that friend where our friendship ended and I don't even know why. And how do you rekindle it anyway? So I, I think the question I'm asking is, is, 
we all have those friendships where maybe there's kind of that longing within us to be like, should we reach out? Can we reach out? Is that a thing we can do? And, and how, how do we do that? Well, I think that's the great thing about a letter, Molly, is that, and I'll let Dana respond as well, but it's a safe space because you can send it. You don't know when they get it. So you let yourself off the hook, number one. You drop that thing in the blue box and you're like, peace. I'm yeah, gonna, there ain't no read receipts on that. You, you're not sitting there waiting for like the, the triple dot bubbles when they right. like the triple they dot. Feel, you never know. Right. They don't feel obligated to respond either. So it's safe. And you also can consider what you're saying. And you don't have to hit send. You wait until you put it in an envelope and send it. But you can also, you know, you could, I, I wrote people who I fired from jobs, who I was their boss and I, and I fired them. You know, I wrote to people who, yes, we, things ended poorly, like, you know, people I dated, like other stuff. But there is, when you start writing, you realize you can say, hey, look, we did all those things. And you said that beautifully. You know, we 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 held each other. We gave each other hugs through breakups. We cried together. We deal with each other's parents. You know, we deal with, and that's something really powerful. And I think when, when I look for something to say, that's the kind of stuff you start to say. And that disarms everyone because the the the, the number one takeaway from the Facebook letter side for me was we have all these differences like stuff that like with your friendship group that separated you the schism of high school senior year you know you have that or you have somebody who doesn't believe exactly what you believe or somebody who doesn't have the same politics that you do when you reach out to each other in that way all that it still matters but it just starts to go away and there is the hope molly and i think that you yearn to do that because like we all do as humans we want to be connected and that hope is there in those connections with those people and a letter is a perfect way to and i don't know if you'll mend it or not there's no way to script that but you've done your part you never have to worry about passing it in the grocery store again and and never have said anything but i'm sure my friend dana has some wise words about that oh I, you know here's here's my wise words with that why wouldn't you why wouldn't you why why would you not send a little letter in the mail, you know, or send a Facebook message? Right. Say, I've been thinking with our 20th reunion coming up or whatever situation any of your listeners are in, you know, I've been thinking about you and I know we haven't spoken or whatever, but I just wanted to say I have fond memories, I have good memories, and I just wanted you to know that, you know, I was thinking about you. I don't know why you wouldn't do that. It's just a little bitty something. And if you send it in the mail, like Amy said, you know, that's a sealed, literally sealed deal. It's gone. But if you don't know how to reach them through the mail, because it has been that long, a Facebook message is a great way to start. Your little 20th reunion, I just went to my 40th. And, um, you know, not that this And it felt like yesterday. And it felt like yesterday, didn't it? <laughs> one hundred percent. And what I will tell you is go girl, you need to go. Now what's different for me. And I do think it's unusual. Amy and I've chatted about this before, um, is that I am still, I have a group of girlfriends and it's not like really that, you know, out of the probably five of them, two were like my best, best friends, but the other we're in my big friend group, but we, uh, I mean, we, we have remained and we're not, you know, we're, we're getting up there. And to this day, 
We are BFFs. We get together, not as often as we would like, but at least, you know, once or twice a year. And there's something beautiful. Let me tell you about those high school people. It's beautiful if you can, like with the girl that you are still in contact and reconnecting with those other people. Because, you know, my high school girlfriends, when I say zero judgment, and I don't mean they're not judge, judgmental people, because I mean, we all are. Let's be real. But me as a person, as a human, there is zero judgment. There's zero judgment from me on them because you know what? These women were with me before I was employed, before I was a wife, before I was a mother. So if I want to say, you know, I let the kid have chocolate, milk, and pizza and told them to put themselves to bed, no one is going to judge me in this group because our the nature of our relationship started so far before those things, whereas you know those friends that you have, that circle that you run in, that you see at school at the drop-off, oh yeah, you know, we, we're, we're trying vegan this week, you know, uh, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, you don't live to impress, but you understand what I'm talking about. There's a certain when you're raising kids with friends that you're raising kids with, you know, you want to be looked at as a good mother. You want to be thought of as a good employer. You want to be, you know, with your high school friends, who cares? Because you were smoking in the bathroom trying not to get caught. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. You know? <laughs> we don't smoke anymore, though. So no, that's good. No. I never smoked. I never smoked. Uh, uh, scouts oh. honor. Scouts honor. Um, but it, high school smoking was good. That's funny <laughs> that you say that though, because I, like I said, I, I, you know, I had a Facetime date with with my friend who I've, you know, I've kept in somewhat of contact with, and we hadn't talked in a while, but we we Facetimed, and we were both talking about how the moment we started talking on Facetime, it was as if no time had passed. And I mean, and we definitely yeah. had not spoken in a couple of years, but we would, you know, face to face. And, you know, one of the things that we had talked about was just because we had, like I said, we'd both walked with each other through some of the most challenging times of our lives. Like my, my mom died when I was a senior year, when I was a senior in high school. And so we kind of talked about that you know, and, and what that was like, you know, her walking through that grief with me and, you know, and we just kind of talked about how it's like, you know, cause especially like we were friends, like we were in Daisy Girl Scouts together. So like we really yeah. grew up together. And so I was like, there's just the, this uniqueness to those childhood friendships where you went through puberty together. Like you, you, you had your first boyfriend at the same time. And it just, there was all those things that the awkwardness of childhood where you're figuring out who you are and you're making mistakes and you're pissed at your parents and you're, you know, all the different things, you know, where like my friend and I, like we skipped school together and like, I was a really good kid, but it was her and I that like one day we left school, we went to Wendy's for lunch and we looked at each other. We were like, you want to go to the mall? Sure. Like, <laughs> you know? And so like we, we good times. yeah, we talk about those. Times. Yeah. That, but the, it's like, you've been through that thing. And so the importance of re yeah, of, of rekindling those friends 
friendships and how um, at the end of the day, you know, at the end of our lives, it's I think what's not what's actually going to matter is not that you had 580 Facebook friends, but who are the people that in your life that you really spent time with and who you 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 connected with on a personal level and who you saw and felt like saw you and I guess I'm just saying all of this to say that it, this has personally been really encouraging to me to think about how could I employ some of these things in my own life? Um, I mean, I'm really thankful that I, the friend, the group of friends I have right now are phenomenal. And, but I know that that's not actually super common. And that's been an answer to prayer for sure is I've been, I've prayed for adult friends because it is real hard to make friends as an adult. But this has been an encouragement to me personally to think about how can I, even if I don't like, if those people don't become my best friends again, for sure. But just to say, hey, this is a person that here's how you impacted my life. And here's how you, you know, shaped who I am and telling them that because, you know, we we hear when somebody passes, you know, sometimes people will be like, oh, and, and we we wax poetic about all the things that this person meant in our life. And I'm like, did you ever tell them that to their face? Did you ever share those things with them? And and I, I this is I'm trying to do better about this as a friend now is to tell people why I love them and why they mean a lot to me now while they're alive. And I'm not trying to sound like morbid, but we could get hit by a bus tomorrow or like my goat could, yes. you know, gore me with his uh, giant horn. I don't know. <laughs> like Stuff happens. No, well, you know, Molly, I- I'm going to tell you this. What And Amy, um, to me, the book resonates uh, so well with the fact that we all have a desire to connect. We all beyond social media. Social media has been a beautiful thing for a bunch of million different reasons. And it has reconnected people that otherwise we would not have connection with. So there's that. But it also can leave you feeling empty and and bad and lonely and um, frustrated because you know, the social, typical social media is the glorified moments, you know? And so um, that's not daily. That's not real life, those glorified moments. So we all have that need and that desire to connect with someone beyond social media, beyond the comments or the likes, you know? And I think that's exactly what Amy did. I know that's what she did with us with the letters. And that is what the 580 letters did for people is it gave them that connection. Someone cared about them beyond a Facebook post. And I think, man, if you can just do that, you know, for three people, for two people, or or take that time to say, I really appreciate, you know, I know we haven't spoken, but I appreciate that you were there. What a difference, not just for the person, because you know how you feel when somebody says, man, Molly, I appreciate what you did for me. You know what that makes you feel like, but I'm going to tell you right now, when you are the person who are giving those words at the end of the day, what it makes you feel like, and you don't do it for any reason except that you feel that nudge that says do it. But man, when you do that, 
you know, you go to bed, even though you're not even thinking about, you just go to bed sleeping better. Right. So I think connecting is, um, is important and it, it's good. And I, th- I think you're exactly right, Dana, and you, you highlighted and, you know, we've been through this experience together, you know, I mean, well, the book and everything, but I didn't intend to do anything with any of the letters, but I am the one, and you know this, who was the most changed because the common perception is you're going to make a difference for other people when you, like you're talking about Molly, you want to, you have a desire to reach out to people and say these things. And I think the perception is, you know, you're you're going to make those people feel better. But Dana, you're exactly right. The, The person who feels the best about the whole thing, not intentionally, is, was me. You know, because over and over again, expressing that, I just, my heart blew up over and over and over again. And now, though I can't be really be friends with 580 people, I made a real connection with each of them. And I look through, I mean, there's this cheesy line in the book. I look through my friends list, especially that 580. And it's just like, it's like the scrapbook of your heart, as opposed to just these random names. Absolutely. And like I said, I mean, this really has personally inspired me. And I really pray and hope that people listening to this episode do the same thing. And so my personal challenge to anyone listening right now is to find, you know, even two, three people in your life and and write them a handwritten note. Um, I mean, really, I, I'm going to say, like, skip the Facebook message, like do the handwritten note, because I think there is something really special about that. And um, also for the listeners, just a reminder, go get this book, Dear Dana. Um, that time I went crazy and wrote all 580 of my Facebook friends a handwritten letter, because this book is just um, such an encouragement and an inspiration. It's also funny. It's a quick, uh, just wonderful read. Uh, so, I mean highly recommend everybody go pick it up. We are running out of time, which I like, I feel like the time has flown by just like it was with high school. Um, But before we get to our last final questions, are there any kind of, uh, you know, words of wisdom or final thoughts you want to share of the things that you've kind of, you know, learned or you, you hope that other people learn from um, this, this whole experience? I'll tell you that what I've learned from the experience through the book, reading the book, is that I want to be a better person. Somehow or another, at the end of each little snippet chapter of the book, Amy takes the the stories that she shares and wraps it up into this little moment, this little morsel at the end. And every single time, I'm like, wow. I want to do better. I want to be better. And so um, that's, that's what I am coming away with from the whole experience. Well, I I would just say, you know, it's what we've talked about just to recap, just follow those nudges. I mean, follow them, you know, and don't be afraid to, because I think I second guess myself throughout the story. You get that if you read the book, I mean, over and over again, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm a crazy person. You know, even to, you know, writing that girl I met in a bathroom at a wedding and we, we friended each other, you know, (laughs) even to writing Dana when I knew my letters and all my words were inadequate, all those things, you know, but when you take a chance and you just are overwhelmed by a feeling to do something, I would encourage all of us to do it because I think we can all offer each other hope and we're, we, we, we can change the world just by being ourselves and following our instincts. 
you know, and it, and it does not have to be some huge thing like this. This is a good example of what can happen when people love each other. But I think just follow your instincts and let's all support each other, whatever those instincts are. You know, they don't have to be the same. All right. Well, let's wrap up with the question that I ask all my guests. And uh, you can both answer these. You can just pick one or the other. Totally up to you. I'm leaving it in your court. Um, So the first question I ask all my guests here at the end is, what's the last thing that made you laugh? I would say like really belly laugh was uh, probably Saturday night a couple of days ago. Amy actually was visiting at my house. And we had been uh, doing a project, working on my club. Like we were delirious because we had worked all day doing several projects around my house. And our um, IT guy was there setting up uh, some kind of, it's called Sonos. I don't even know, but it's some kind of surround thing. And so he's, Amy and I are sitting, he's with my husband in one part of the room and we're in another part of the room. And they're talking, hey, Sonos, do this, whatever, much like Alexa, I guess. And Amy and I start, hey, Sonos, give me a skinny butt. Hey, Sonos, you know, make me make me a model. Hey, Sonos, you know, and I mean, to the point of that, I think he thought something was wrong with us because we just could not stop. So that's the last time that I barely laughed for sure. Well, I agree. And I think it's beautiful that we live, what, like four hours apart and we have the yeah. same, we have the same laugh moment on Monday morning. So yeah. that's kind yeah. of, I, I, I can yeah. with Dana. That right. is hysterical. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Uh, what is the last thing that made you cry? It's funny you bring that up. Uh, this whole weekend, I was so emotional this whole weekend. Like I'm telling you, I don't know what it is, menopause, whatever you want to call it. But uh, probably my daughter, uh, my youngest daughter just got back from Disney World and she's telling me how that this lady had her two daughters. And you could tell that probably it was, you know, they were splitting food or whatever, you know, and she said that it was a sacrifice for them to be there. And, And the lady, the daughter spilt a bowl of the pasta and the lady just looked like she had lost her best friend, just not to her children, but you could just tell that she was upset because, you know, it's not cheap. And she said immediately, look, I'll start crying. <laughs> a Disney worker is there and um, asked exactly what they had, whatever, brought it back with a little treat. And I'm like, stop, I'm, I'm crying because these Disney workers, you know, and uh, so that, you know, I told her no more stories for me because it just, it was, um, it, it just touched me. It was really sweet. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. What about you, Amy? The last thing that made me cry. Um, it's hard. I don't believe in crying. Um, well, it was also this, it was also this weekend, you know, but, you know, just anytime, you know, Dana's a surreal relationship for me because the way we started out in the mail and anytime we spend time together, you know, so last time I cried Molly was when I pulled out of her driveway at <laughs> 445 this morning. And it was funny because we spent like five days together. I was so ready to come home. Like I was ready to see my people and sleep in my home bed, but you know, this is a divine connection and I don't think I'll, and I hope I never leave her house and, and, and not sad about it. So 
And, and that's, oh, that's a good kind of sentence. That's so, so sweet. So, oh, absolutely. That. Absolutely. That's beautiful. All right. Well, then my last question is, how do you choose joy? I personally choose joy uh, by surrounding myself with uh, my family and friends. Um, that brings me great joy. And allowing myself to have joy is a lot for me. So uh, I choose joy by being with people that make me happy. Well, Molly, I don't think I can say it better than that. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave that thought with Dana. So good. So good. (laughs) Dana, Amy, this has been wonderful. I feel like we were just three gals hanging out, uh, just, you know, on zoom. This was a pleasure. Thank you for being here. And thank you for what you are putting out into the world and for how you're inspiring so many other people to really see people and uh, to reconnect with people. Thank you, Molly. We enjoyed it. We did, Molly. Thank you for having us on. Basically, right after we stopped recording this conversation, I began to write a list of the people that I really want to reconnect with via the gift of a handwritten letter. So I hope that this is something that encourages you to do something similar, even if it's just sending one handwritten letter to somebody maybe you haven't connected with in a few years or encouraging an old friend. I really, really, really loved this episode. I loved this conversation and just the way that they connect and have empathy for each other and the lessons that we can learn for it. Oh, it was just so good. I would love to know what you loved about this episode. Let us know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Can I Laugh Pod on Instagram and Facebook. And as always, would you head on over to whatever podcast listening app you are on right now and click that subscribe or follow button and take a moment to leave a review of the show. Leaving a review really, really, really does help us to know what you're liking, how the show is impacting you, and it helps kind of give the show some social cred so other people will listen to it too. Thank you as always to the team at Third Wheel Media for producing the show. Thank you for listening. Now go and I hope something this week makes you laugh till you cry. See you next week. Bye.